Hello, and welcome to the Guardian Test Prep Back to Basic Podcast. My name is Dr. Christopher Seitz. I'm an emergency physician, and I'm here with my brother, Jason Seitz, who is a firefighter, paramedic, and RN. Together, we run Guardian Test Prep, an NREMT test prep company that specializes in helping EMT and paramedic students pass their national registry exam. Our Back to Basics podcast was created to make what are sometimes complex medical topics easy to understand and retain for students of emergency care. Please like and follow us on your favorite podcast streaming service, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for joining us. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Back to Basics podcast. Today is our question and answer. Uh, quarterly session. Quarterly session. That's what he's looking for. That's what I was looking Every for. Every quarter Q&A session where we answer questions from you, the viewer and or listener. That's right. That's one thing I actually really quick. So you can view these two. So not only are they audio, if you're listening on Spotify or Anchor, but we also have like video. I mean, it's just, just us sitting there talking. But if you want to watch it on YouTube as well, you can watch us. Every some, once in a while, there's some surprises, some jump scares to keep you interested. That makes it seem creepy. No, it, it doesn't actually happen, but we get them to think that something's oh, coming. Oh, okay. What okay. we should tell them is like, actually, a coupon code pops up all the time. Yeah. It never does. <laughs> and that way, they have to watch the whole damn thing. <laughs> so. I like it. I like it. So, yeah. So, anyway, today we're doing our uh, Q&A session. Um, I think we'll just jump right in. Do you have any announcements before we start? Um, well, we have our, uh, Guardian CME will be launching very soon. Yes. That's so right. Guardian CME is going to be a platform where, uh, our podcast on a couple podcasts that we work with, the EMS 2020 podcast, the EMS on air podcast, and then we're also going to have new fresh content coming in there, uh, monthly, most likely, yeah. but it's basically just a way for you guys to get free CAPC accredited CEs. So yeah. a CAPC is a, a credit that can be used in any state, uh, in any country, and your uh, state or certifying body should be able to use that that CE. Yeah. We'll, we'll be able to use that CE. They're very reputable. So basically, we've got permission to make these podcasts uh, CAPC accredited. This one will not be because we're just answering questions and having fun. But any medical uh, topic that we cover, you can get a CE and all for free. Yeah. And if you want to sign up just so you get the announcement when we launch, guardiancme.com. Just give us your name and email address. We won't spam you. We just can give you an update when we are every, everything up and running. So yeah. imagine any subscription-based CE service, but for free. It's not subscription-based. Why would you go there when you can just come to us and get stuff for free? Come to us. It's time to license. It's time to relicense. Go come to guardiancme.com and watch videos that you've already watched and get all your credits. There you go. I like it. Cool. Super easy. So let's jump into our first question for today. Is um, So this came in from Colin P. We won't give last names. Um, so Colin had basically shared with us a scenario where he was, uh, it sounds like he's a paramedic. He was on the rig and basically said he like, essentially long story short, had a patient where he just felt like he had no idea. He had no idea what was going on or what to do. And his question to us was what have you ever experienced that yourself? And what do you do when you have feel like you have no idea what's going on and you don't know what to do? Do you want to start? <laughs> uh, sure. So. I've never experienced this because I always yeah, know. Right. So I think that this is a very normal thing that can happen to even experienced providers. I don't think that, and the way he describes the story, it's not like he froze up and didn't do anything. Like oh, he, the he guy very died. much, the guy died. <laughs> no, just he very much fell back into his training. And that's something that we, we say all the time. Archilochus actually had a famous quote. He's a, is he Greek? Greek. Yeah, yeah Greek philosopher, philosopher and also a, a tactician. And he says, we don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. 
Uh, and he was referencing that in military situations, but it is very prevalent and true in EMS situations and emergency situations as well. We're never going to step up and be the hero and think creatively when we're under uh, abnormal stress. You're going to fall back to the level of your training. And that's exactly what Colin did. He fell back. He did basic assessment. He checked the boxes. And I think he did. I mean, I think you'd agree he did a fairly good job yeah. in, in the case. We're not here to talk about his case, though. He wants to hear about mine. So I would say that. Well, if you've listened to our first, if you've ever listened to our first podcast ever, oh, that's we true. covered a case where I had a uh, SWAT call where there's a barricaded, uh, we thought it was a gunner, he had a knife, they put in the little RC car and saw the guy stab himself in the heart, and then I had a bunch of SWAT guys and a SWAT doctor like screaming at me to do CPR on the guy, and it didn't make any sense because there was a knife in his heart, so his heart had exploded. So we would call that a traumatic arrest. It like wasn't something to do CPR, sure. but I was fairly new, and I was pretty shooken up about it, um, and I was getting yelled at by a bunch of type A personality cops that are used to using force to control a scene and not uh, kind of flow, go with the flow. So, I mean, long story short, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I, loaded right. him, I loaded him up into the ambulance, and... Uh, ended up calling the hospital for a pronouncement. And actually the first hospital told me, no, you have to work them. And I was like, there's nothing to work. And then the, I called a second hospital, <laughs> so, which probably wasn't, probably wasn't like kosher with the protocols. But like, I was like, I need a doctor to pronounce this guy. I can't, I'm not going to work around a knife. Like we know penetrating objects, you're supposed to remove the object unless it wouldn't, um, or you're not supposed to remove the object unless it impedes CPR. This clearly does. However, if I remove the object, his heart would have like, come out of his chest there was no right so that was frustrating and then the other one i would say that sticks in my mind the most is i had a guy who was uh laying on the floor um we thought he was dead when we came in so it was like a it was like a um i'm blanking on the term but uh like what, a, why do i want to say a quality check like a uh, uh help me out here welfare check yeah thank you, you jamie the cameraman <laughs> <laughs> so welfare check um on this guy and we like came in and we see him like lying on his side and i thought he was dead and i came down and all of a sudden so he's laying on like half of his face so his whole like side is covered right and then all of a sudden it was like in a movie like the one eye opens up and he's like oh help me i'm like oh my, oh god, my god let's get you turned over you know i check his back do the whole thing let's get you turned over and i went to turn him over and it was like zombie movie level like goop that his like left side oh. had turned into so we rolled him and he peeled off the floor and the noise it made was, I'll never forget the noise it made. I'll never forget the smell. Worst smell I've ever smelled in my life. And I've smelled some like, like if you smell like a burning dead body, like you, you know that like that's, that's a tear. Like this was on par with that. And I yes. looked at the guy who was with me. Um, his name is, we call him Frenchie at my department, but he's a very experienced paramedic and had been a Lieutenant on another department. I had only been a couple years on at this point, but he had, he probably had almost a decade of, of EMS experience. <laughs> I was tech on the call, but I looked at him and he goes, Jason, I've never seen anything like this in my entire life. Yeah. And then, then he proceeded to go outside and vomit. <laughs> so <laughs> we were stuck. Like we called the engine to get some extra staffing. And like, in terms of like, did I know what to do? Sure. Like we packaged the patient and we treated for, you know, potential sepsis and things like that. But his whole, the left side of his body had essentially melted into the floorboards from like pressure ulcers. His arm was inside his torso. So like there was no, like it was like a flat. And then his, his face and side was as flat as a board until we started getting him. And then like little by little, it started to puff back out. 
But I just remember being so shocked that the body could last that long. He had probably been down for days and days and days. Yeah. I don't know how he survived, you know. Um, but you're worried about infection and things like that. It was just sort of like, I don't know. How do I emergently care for this? Mm-hmm. This is like, we could try to start an IV on him. Uh, let's start on his AC. Okay, his AC is inside of his chest. So where do I? I mean, that was, it was, it was very overwhelming. We did shock treatment and we we hauled butt to the hospital because, um, but so effective treatment, like we supported airway, but it was fairly supported. But that was certainly a call where I felt very overwhelmed with this seems like a case where yeah. I almost called you, I almost called you and was just like, I don't really know. What do you think? Because we had a little bit of a transport time. I almost called you at, from work and was like, do you have any ideas? Yeah. So, but I ended up having that conversation with the ER doctor anyway, you know, on, and that's where I think we talk a lot on this podcast about having a good relationship with those docs. Like I called a doctor, the radio for potential orders and just said, doc, I've never seen anything like this. I don't really know what I'm dealing with here. What do you think? And he was like, oh no, it sounds like you're doing it right. So that's, that's where yeah. I think communication comes in. So in terms of how to solve these situations, get on the horn and speak, you know, speak frankly and transparently with your medical direction about what's going on. I, I, I'm seeing something. I'm not sure what to do. What do you think? Yeah. Get, get online medical direction. And I think that's like, so for me, like it's not uncommon for me to during the course of a shift, run into a patient where I think I know what's going on. And then I do a bunch of lab work and imaging and I don't find anything. And then I can't figure out why they have what they have. I mean, this is not uncommon for me to, to get to a point with a patient in their process of care and be like, I have no idea. Like now, now I don't know what to do. Like, can I send them home? Do I admit them? Like, what do I, and I think like two things that you highlighted is like one, first go back to basics. Like what is it kind of say, right? First go back to basics. So literally starting over with your ABCs, going through and saying, okay, like, you know, I know what to do if things are. So if you go through your ABCs, your primary assessment, your secondary assessment, and go through the whole physical exam again, like start to do the whole thing over and intervene as you come across things. And then also reaching out to whoever you have, whether it's, you know, a, a medic who's on the, on the rig with you whether it's, you know, your medical direction, that kind of thing. Like that's usually enough for, if I still don't have an answer at that point, if I still don't have a court, like then I'm probably not missing anything. I mean, like, like, like medicine is an art as well. Like we can't always explain everything. Like, like we, I think we are very scientific in a lot of the things that we do, but you'd be surprised how often, like I said, we don't understand a lot of things still, right. And the body does things. So that's kind of what, that's kind of what I do is I, I take it back to basics I reach out for help, look at the resources I use, the resources I have. And then I basically kind of step back and say, okay, well, is this patient like, is this patient dying right now? Do I need to do anything? And like, if they are, that's usually easier because then I know what to do. Well, that's, I say that all the time when like when, when we used to teach CPR and stuff like that, it was, you know, it, the reason the first thing you learn is how to do CPR is because it's the worst case scenario that can happen to your patient. So right. be confident in the fact that the first thing you were ever trained on was worst case scenario. Like, Things get easier and simpler the more critical they get, really. Yeah. So, and one thing I'll say too is sometimes, like especially when I get to that point, I'll include the patient. I'll be like, "Hey, you know, at this time, I'm not saying that nothing's wrong. I'm saying that I can't, I can't figure out the cause of why you're having X, Y, or Z. What do you think? I, I literally will put it back. Like, what do you think? What What do you need in this situation? What do you? And like, you'd be surprised sometimes. People will be like, "Ah, you know what? Like, if you're not finding anything." then I'm pretty reassured I'd like to go home or I'd let, you know what I mean? Like, or mm-hmm. like, and I'm talking about from the emergency department standpoint, yeah, but like, or they'll be like, ah, you know what? I don't feel safe going home. I want to stay. Well, I listen to that. Right. Because I mean, like they know their bodies, you know, as well. So I kind of like said, take it back to basics, reach out to the resources and the people I have, and then bring the patient involved. And between those three things, I mean, like I may still never have an answer, 
but I can rest that I'm, I've done my due diligence yeah. and done what needs to be done. So. I think just being honest with yourself that sometimes you're not going to know what you're looking at yeah. and, and maybe a more advanced provider would, and yeah. you're going to learn from it, but don't be, don't beat yourself up about it. You I know also mean? think too, like we have to be careful. I think sometimes there's, we get our ego involved and we think that we have to do something. Right. That's what and I'm sometimes saying. doing more is actually more detrimental than being like, Hey, I don't have any idea. Everything from my standpoint is like taking care of or stable. I'm going to do nothing. Sometimes right. doing nothing is the right answer. Yeah. Right. I mean, like we've talked this before, like your job in emergency medicine is to support and help the body to do its own thing most of the time. So if you're not finding anything or you don't know what's going on, like, you know, just don't do anything. That, that's it's sometimes funny. okay. From a hazmat perspective, that's like the first thing that we like teach people in hazmat. So like as a hazmat technician, like you teach people, like it's not your job to necessarily, at least as an emergency responder hazmat, Mm -hmm. um, it's not your job to like diffuse the situation completely and stuff like that. Like the first question you ask yourself is if I do nothing, will things get worse? And the answer is no. Then sometimes the answer is just to do nothing and wait till you have all of the things and let other people solve that problem. Right. If I do nothing, if nothing's going to get worse. And things will actually get better if that gas is going to off gas and it's not going to get to anybody or whatever. Then just leave it be. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. sometimes intervention is just going to harm you. Yeah. But good, good question. I like that, Colin. Yeah. Moving on to the next one. Alyssa S. asked us, "What is your favorite procedure to do in the field?" It's a good question. I think my favorite procedure. Well, I mean, you guys don't do this in the field, but my favorite procedure well, is yeah. a lumbar puncture. Yeah. Yeah. What about a lumbar puncture excites you? So it's really it can be very difficult find the space in between the spinal columns to be able to like get in there and pull out cerebral spinal fluid. But like, it's like, it, so it can be really difficult. I div, kind of div, not developed, but like, I like have my own specific technique that like works really well for me. So I have a lot of success with it. So it's always like, like, a, yeah, I got it. Type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when I do it and like, I actually, in the, the way that I do it, I, I learned from a couple different docs, like I can do it pretty and keep the patient pretty comfortable too. Uh, which is always like, I, I like being able to like do a, a pretty invasive. I mean, I'm literally pulling CSF fluid off yeah. of your spine yeah. and the patients are like, Oh yeah, I barely felt a thing. Like, I like that. That's cool. It means like, <laughs> makes it feel like I'm good at it. I, I mean, I like right. the procedures that I'm good at, right. It's yeah. just like, you know, it's satisfying. So, so I, I think that's what my, mine's kind of a cop out answer, but like any procedure that I tend to be the guy who's just sort of like, like F it, I'll, I'll do it even if it's something that like no one's ever done before, mm-hmm. like, like or we, if we got a crike, like I'm, I'm kind of the guy who's going to jump in and be like, yeah, I'll slice them up. Like, let's figure it out. Right, like sure. when everyone else is nervous, it's like we shared this in our, in our, uh, our OB lecture where we talked about, um, delivering babies and stuff oh, yeah, like yeah. that. Like where everybody else backed off and was kind of like, I don't really know. I was like, I don't, I don't know. This, I've never done it before, but let's go for it. Right. right, right. I mean, so I like being able to, yeah, kind of like just apply the 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 theoretical knowledge that you've had in the very little practice, and then yeah. just confidently be like, no, like I, I trust my training. Let, let's go for it. So yeah. another, I mean, it's not really. I guess it is a procedure. Another procedure I really like is putting shoulders back into place. Yeah, I wish I could, we could do that so yeah. much because it's like it's like there's actually for me as an emergency physician, like there's only a couple things that I do that like fix the problem immediately yeah. and the person goes home. Just leave, yeah. Yeah, and that's one of them. So that's always cool that's when I can cool. just like... I've know. always wanted like more orthopedic-based yeah. stuff in EMS because it's... Like we had actually two shifts ago, we had a lady who was... There was like a big assault thing at this karaoke place and she uh, she had completely dislocated her shoulder. She's like, can you just pop it back in? And I was like, listen, like, I know how, but I'm not allowed to. Right, we right. have to take you to the hospital, so I can't. She's like, no, I've seen people, and I'm like, I know, but we can't do it. Like, we got to take you. But yeah. it is, it's a cool thing. Yeah, so that's kind of cool, too. So, 
Cool. Awesome. awesome. So third question. So John M asked us, oh, what was our favorite thing? So what was our favorite thing about EMS World Expo? So we were at EMS World Expo two, three weeks ago mm-hmm. um, in Atlanta, Georgia. It was a lot of fun. So what was our favorite part of being at the expo? I liked, has it be at the expo or can it be the entire experience? I think I, I would say it can be the entire experience. All right. Go first. You had something. So, well, I, so about the expo specifically for me, I really enjoyed seeing when we talked about it on one of our, our daily, like uh, if you on Facebook and Instagram and stuff, you see like kind of like our daily recap, but um, a lot of this like virtual reality technology that's out there. Like there's yeah. just, it's just getting to be sweet. Yeah. Like it's like some really cool stuff you can do. I'm excited for the point where we can like go to class by putting VR headsets on. And then they're like, you're on an emergency scene and it looks like an emergency yeah. scene. You go like, it's going to be cool. Yeah. And it's pretty advanced. It's pretty smooth now. It's not choppy. Like what they're going like, to have in 10 years, 20 years is yeah. just going to be insane. That's, that was, that was the coolest part for me. I think seeing some of that technology. What were you going to say? So like, uh, it's going to make me sound, I was going to say like, like we went axe throwing and that was like a lot of fun. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. That <laughs> like, was pretty sweet. Uh, uh, Chris and I and the team all went axe throwing. And that was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we also pretty much every night were with clients and, uh, you know, people that were at the expo at this really cool bar. Yeah. Speakeasy bar. That was, was like, like I don't so I don't smoke or drink and I'd spend tons of time here. Yeah, there was like a, a model train workable train inside the bar because it was like clear glass. And yeah. It was like like if you imagine the coolest speakeasy you can think of, that's what it was like. There's like a patio. Oh, it was really cool. Yeah, that was a place. That was a really neat place. But I would say expo wise, honestly, I had more fun being at the booth and just interacting with people that came to the booth than yep. I think I did like wandering around and like talking to like collaborators and yeah. stuff like that. Like I, you know, I, I, I had great, I, I went and we checked out tourniquets and we looked at other educational institutions and we had great conversations and that was a lot of fun. But the most fun at the expo was being able to stay at the booth. Cause we ran a jeopardy game. I got to play with some of you guys. It was fun. Like yeah. people would come up and just kind of share their story. And it was just nice to interact. Since we run an online test prep program, I'm used to interacting with you guys via zoom or, emails and stuff like that it was nice to just have some in in person interactions yeah that was cool awesome question four is from melissa was it melissa What's g a uh where are you oh i'm i'm up one here we go why did you want to become a nurse doc paramedic why did you want to become a doctor chris <sighs> you get asked this a lot i do get asked it's okay if the answer just sort of ended up in it no so i'll be completely honest so i he's did, like i didn't and i don't i did really well <laughs> i did really well in high school I was valedictorian. I was going to college and got a full ride scholarship and literally thought like, well, what's the hardest thing I can do? And then I just picked doctor. Super lame. And older, really bro- like- older brother, hard act to follow. Kind of uh, now you can kind of understand what my life is like. <laughs> no, but like, I will say like, so people always ask me the follow up question that is like, would you do it again? And it's kind of a yes or no thing. Like, I think that everything I've learned after becoming a physician about medicine and healthcare and what my true passions are within that. Like, I think that I would be in a similar situation, but different. Um, but I also wouldn't have gotten there without doing the medical education that I've done. So it's like catch 22. Is that how you use catch 22? Catch 22 is like, I I can't explain this to you again. I have to explain you catch 22 all the time, Yeah, but I don't understand. So the premise of catch 22 is it's like if one, then the other sort of thing. So, so I use it right. Yeah. So like to, to understand the, the book catch 22 uh-huh. is about soldiers 
in, I believe, Vietnam. I think it's Vietnam. But they want to be cleared from having to go to war okay. because they're in because they want to be cleared on the premise that they're psychologically unsound. Okay. But but in order to want to stay in the war, you'd have to be psychologically unsound. So catch twenty two. Oh so can I be honest with you? Yeah. When I think of catch twenty two, I actually think of the book Fahrenheit four fifty one. So it's a very different <laughs> Are you serious? It's a very different. I actually can see you the covers yeah. that we had in our childhood home. Yeah. <laughs> Those books are semi similar, so I can see why you made that. Yeah. So All what right. was your catch twenty two based on four Fahrenheit four fifty one? No, I just use it now. I don't know. I don't know. There's no I just well, I'll just say it. I just say catch twenty two whenever I You're like, I wouldn't really love books. If I hadn't started burning them. <laughs> right. Like, that's what you do. Right. Yeah, exactly. So that's anyway. Funny. Okay. We anyway. But so. So that's why, honestly, so that, like, it was. You it wish was you a, could take the lessons and use that to go on a different journey. Yeah. But if, like, you know. You but just kind of want to keep on living. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went to school. I went to Michigan State because Chris was there. <laughs> so essentially, <laughs> essentially, I could. Re- here, here's the youngest child version of this, this story. Um. Chris was at med school at Michigan state. And I was like, cool, I can go to the same college as my older brother. I can like park my car there and we can hang out all the time. Didn't work out that way at all. turns out med school for Chris was busy, (laughs) but I went and roomed with two of my best friends. Um, so that was awesome. And I thought in my mind, I, I had kind of come up through like lifeguarding and, uh, you know, water safety instructor stuff. I was a scuba diver. I, I enjoyed rescue high adrenaline type things. And I had a knack for teaching. So I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist. I thought, oh, it's medical based. They, it gets paid a lot. You know, they make a lot of money. You could get your doctorate. I can be fancy. I can be a doctor like everybody else in my family and not be so shameful. Because I was not a valedictorian. <laughs> um, and I did not get a full rise. <laughs> so I started doing that. I was like two years into just like the gen eds and was like, I hate this. I don't want to do this. Chris never wants to hang out with me anyway. <laughs> so, so I left because I didn't want to waste my parents any money. Um, Cause they were paying for my room and board at the time. And I could go to community college for free, especially in the fire and EMS services because my father was the Dean of the college. So my dad said, go try EMT out. And I was like, Oh, whatever. Uh, like in my mind, I was taking like a semester abroad. Like I was taking like a semester off to like check some things out. I was right. working at working at the pool still doing the lifeguard thing. I was like, I'll, I'll do EMT. And in EMT, I was able to like do a CPR. We brought back this guy. It ended up being this big deal because it was like huge quality of life. Well, you got uh, a life saving award. And then we got yeah, we yeah. got like a commendation, a life saving award. And I kind of fell in love with it. I realized I had a knack for understanding like emergency situations and adapting to that pretty well, and the teaching aspect within that. So. Kind of fell in love with it and then was like hook, line, and sinker, fire EMS. The nursing stuff I wanted to do, I started that as kind of an experiment. As Chris and I were coming up and we were instructors, Mm -hmm. um, I found that a lot of like my ACLS and PAL students were nurses and they think differently. So I wanted to kind of understand that. So I enrolled in a online program to take some nursing courses and then... At that time, and still am just, I'm just into education now as an educator. So I was just kind of doing it for my own edification, really enjoyed that. And then ended up being like, eh, hell, I'll just get licensed because I was halfway through the program. I hadn't had any issues yet. Um, got licensed. And I'm going to be honest with you. It's very new for me to be a nurse the last, last year I was licensed. I thought I was going to hate it. 
I really did. Yeah. Everyone at the fire department told me you're going to hate it. It's not It's not fast-paced because you're going to be on this floor. And so I love it. I love the That's patient awesome. interaction. I love the new procedures that I can do. I love the autonomy of it. I enjoy that I can come to work and hang out with the other nurses. Or if I don't want to hang out with the other nurses, I don't have to. Like, it's... Yeah. Far awesome. better than I thought it was going to be. So that's kind of my cool journey. I like it. Couple more here. Next one. So, Do ahead. you recommend? Oh, okay. This is from Eric. No, so actually, we missed one. So Rick W asked, "What's a fun story from your guys' childhood?" One time, Chris and I were mountain biking. He was a med student. No, he wasn't a med student. He was an undergrad. Still, we were mountain biking. I had the chain. The so the gear the set. Of course, you don't remember the story. I had the gear set of my mountain bike drive into my leg and create fatty tissue exposure where there was like there's seven holes in my leg moving up from the from the I don't know. I'm thinking of forgetting the name, but the uh, the cassette. So the cassette drove into my leg because I like wiped out or hit a tree or something and completely like exposed my leg and there's just fat hanging out of it. And Chris looked at it and I was like, what do you think? Like, Doc? Because he, what did I know? Like when you're an undergrad, you don't know crap. And he's like, I don't know. You probably need stitches. But honestly, if we don't go and get you stitches, we can keep mountain biking and then go play some video games. And now I have a scar on my leg in the shape of a cassette. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's what I got. That's a super fun story. It wasn't really childhood. I mean, I was, I was probably in, I was in high school. You were in college, but. I forgot about that. You got any others? Trying to think of something like funny that happened, but I can't think of anything right off the top of my head. Which is what's a fun, it says fun story. Oh, there's one time we were refinishing our parents' deck. So my parents had this wood deck off the back of their house and we were in high school, I think. And, or I was in high school, you were a little bit younger. Yeah, I was, I was in college. I, like, I just started I was, college. I was about to start high school and I think you were about yeah, to start yeah. college. So we ripped off, so my dad, our, our father was working a 24-hour shift at the fire department and we ripped off the top of the deck all the boards so it's just the exposed boards and we didn't we got tired and we didn't want we didn't want to finish tearing out the nails that were sticking out from the so boards we, we ripped up so we're like we'll do it tomorrow we went and played video games in the evening and our dad got home and then went <laughs> in the morning <laughs> didn't we, know were what was sleep, happening. we were sleeping upstairs and then he like got himself a cup of coffee opened up the back sliding door didn't realize we had torn and just stepped off stepped off <laughs> and then landed in all the nails he was okay but we just appreciated that we, we just heard a, oh my god but it was, it was one of those like a, gifts that was like hey we're doing this project for you it's only a quarter of the way done like surprise and then he fell through the thing yes yeah, yeah that's a good one anyway forgot about that all of our funny stories are just people getting hurt yeah i guess so. but anyway all right next question. Uh, this one is from eric he said do you recommend going straight from emt to medic all right so this question comes up all the time i see this question on every single fo- uh, student forum, forum Facebook. ems forum and i'm going to tell you how you're gonna, how it's going to be answered if you're an EMT and you didn't go right to medic, that person's going to tell you that you need some life experience first as an EMT and you should do that for a year or two. If they were someone who went from EMT right to medic, they're going to tell you you should go right to medic. You don't need any life experience. Go right to <laughs> Just medic. Just go right to medic. Yeah. So, I mean, I have an opinion on this. I don't know if you I do. I do too. Yeah. yeah. Go so, for it. So my opinion is that you absolutely go right to medic. Yes. A hundred percent go right to medic. And I'll tell you why. If I can go from high school, undergrad, medical school, residency, doctor, there's no reason you can't go EMT to paramedic. Like, there's no stops along the way of education. In fact, I would argue that the education is more difficult to go back to because as much as people say they want life experience as an EMT, like, the educational side and passing that registry and that sort of thing, like, that's different than the road stuff. The road stuff really isn't going to necessarily, in my opinion, 
help your educational passing your exam. It's going to help you at the road stuff. Right. Like, like the more you do road stuff, the more it's going to help you on the road sure. stuff. It's not necessarily going to help you in the educational process. So I, I also recommend go from EMT right into medic, or if you're doing the fire Academy or something like that, just chain them all together. However you want. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not knocking getting experience as an EMT in any no. way. If you're in school, you can work as an EMT while you're in medic school. Sure. That's, that is doable. It shouldn't take precedence over getting through medic school, but you learn bad habits on the road. Yeah. You can learn bad habits on the road and you're going to learn how to skip steps and be quicker. And that's going to hurt you when you have to slow down in an educational process and go 100%. through every single step fully. So you're going to say, well, I've had this case and this is what I did and it was right, but you got there too fast and it's going to mess you up on test questions and stuff yeah. like that. So I would say go right through it. You will earn, people say, well, you should get a few years of EMT experience and then that's going to make you a better medic because you can understand your EMT partner, blah, 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 blah. Have some intuition. You can understand what your EMT partner does for you. Right. You went through the same education that they did. And wouldn't you rather gain field experience in the highest right. version of your education that you can? So become a medic and then, yeah, then gain field and experience. And again, like you said, there's not, I mean, if you want to take some years off after EMT and be an EMT for a while before you go back, that's really fine. What I don't want you to just don't listen to people who say that, like, you're not going to do well in medic school because you didn't have road true. experience. That's not true. There is no I mean, t find me any other educational system or program that advocates that you stop for a couple years in between. No, that, and, that's do, not and do the and do the lesser certification for a while. It, it just right. doesn't that doesn't really make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. So anyway, I would also say a lot of times the argument is you're going to end up being a jerk as a medic if you don't know what your EMT goes through if if you're dealing with like emt medic just don't teams. be a jerk and it's like yeah how about just become a medic and don't be a jerk right like let's try that that's where this yeah so obviously we feel passionately about that but it's true i mean i really it, it well, it's just, i'm tired me. of people i don't want people to put off their education and the chance to make more money and be more involved in the field and find right. their passion because they think they have to go right yeah I don't the other know, thing is too like, is that i have yet i have never met someone and maybe i will someday i've never met someone who went from emt directly to paramedic became a paramedic and i was like man you know what i wish i would have done hung out as an emt for a year or two like i, I that doesn't that doesn't happen it, right. it just doesn't exist so cool all right last question before we finish up here sarah f sarah sarah y sarah, sarah y favorite oh what is your favorite show or movie that depicts your job oh that depicts your job okay i get this question a lot too yeah so, i got mine yeah, I do too. So and I tell I tell people so people always ask me like, you know, have you watched ER? Have you watched, you know, what's Grey's Anatomy? Grey's Anatomy always like what like are they accurate that kind of thing? The most and this is I stand by this 100%. <laughs> the most accurate medical show that I've ever watched was Wait, now I'm blanking. What, what Scrubs? Scrubs. <laughs> Scrubs. Scrubs is the most accurate medical show that I've ever watched. Like like the medical part of they it, had they had a they had a guy. I watched some behind the scenes stuff. They had like a, a straight doc that like gave them the right terminology That's and the, the terminology, right. the medical like even like how the relation. And now obviously it's it's a comedy, but like for the most that is way more accurate in my opinion than like ER. It's also just a really or, fun and funny show, and you don't have yeah. to know medicine to enjoy it. No, like exactly, it's right. it's great. Yeah, so, great show. That's mine. What's yours? It's sad. Scrubs is one of the only shows I shouldn't share this. I don't know why it I would share this, cry. but yeah, the finale. Are you serious? The finale made me cry. Oh, I'm so sorry. There are two, two pieces of media that have made me cry in my life. That's it. The finale of Scrubs and the movie Big Fish with Ian McGregor. Are you serious? I consistently cry if I watch that movie. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we can get into know. it another time, but you know. can ask that question for the next Q&A if you want to know why, but I cry 
when I watch Big Fish. All right. Anyway, cool. favorite show movie that depicts my job. Now, this what? is this is frustrating because we get this question all the time, and like firefighters especially are like, oh, it. I'm gonna go with firefighting, not nursing, because I'm I've been yeah. a firefighter more. Um, my favorite movie is is Ladder Forty Nine when it comes to fire movies. Okay. Okay. There are three major arguments. There's people that say, maybe four. People say Chicago Fire. I just Chicago Fire is an entertaining show. I enjoy the show. Sure. It's it's I've watched it. I I I think I own the first couple of seasons on DVD. Like it is a drama. It's a silly, you know. No, it doesn't depict the job perfectly. Some of the stuff they do in it, like yeah, the rescue technique, some of it makes sense, you know. Um, not my favorite. People say that the most realistic fire show is the show Rescue Me because of the station behavior and how the guys Rescue Me has so little to do with the fire department. I feel like, and I'm just gonna say this, like. It's more about just kind of like a messed up guy in his messed up life. And he, that's why, that's to why have people a, think it's the well, right, we're right. And it's <laughs> funny and I get it. And like the, the way that they goof off at the station, it also depicts us not in a very good light. So I'm not like a huge, I liked the show. I watched it. Not like a huge fan of the show. There's also very little firefighting in it. Like there's just like a couple little times they're like chatting about the fact that he's sleeping with the widow of some other guy, like while they're like poking around a fire. Like it's not the heck. It's not about firefighting. <laughs> right. You know right. What I mean, I like Ladder 49. Is it realistic? No. If you made a realistic show about fighting a fire, it would just be a black screen and heavy breathing and you'd hear some stumbling around <laughs> and then you'd watch people clean up for hours. Like yep. that's that's what a realistic firefighting show would be. It depicts the fire service, I think, in a fairly accurate way in the terms that his jobs change throughout that. Some of the emotional stuff he goes through, the relationships he has with the people, with the, the, like, yeah, the brotherhood. And I think it depicts all of those things in the ideal light. It makes us look good too. Yeah, cool. It's a great movie. I like it. And it's got Joaquin Phoenix in it. That's who is a method actor and I believe rode along with the guys on that engine company or oh, ladder cool. company that's to very cool. get ready for the role. It was awesome. Baltimore. Baltimore Fire, I think that was. Nice. Cool. Awesome. Well, those were our questions for today. We appreciate you guys sending them in. Again, we will do this every quarter, a Q&A with Jason and Chris. If you guys have questions, medical or non-medical, shoot them in to info at guardiantestprep.com. Uh, if you're studying for your NREMT, again, check out our program, guardiantestprep.com. Currently, we're doing lifetime access. Uh, so EMT, AEMT, it's like $97, $99 for lifetime access. Paramedic 149. Buy it. Keep it forever. Enjoy it for life. <laughs> so, anyway, we appreciate you guys sending in your questions. Uh, we will see you next week for another podcast. And we appreciate you listening. Stay sweet. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, we'd love for you to check out the rest of our content at guardiantestprep.com. We specialize in preparing EMT, AEMT, and paramedic students for not only their school, but also the National Registry exam at the end. Enter EMT Test Prep with over 15 hours of videos, workbooks, question banks, and everything you need to pass. We'd love to have you get involved. Again, guardiantestprep.com. Check us out.